to help us in times of our need. We are here to hear from you. We are here to be ministered to. We pray that the entrance of your word will bring light and understanding to us that we shall not leave this place the same way we came. Blessed Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Take your place, great teacher. Lead us unto all truth and bring us mysteries out of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, um, you are all welcome to the teaching service. Um, for some time now, we have been looking at a very important subject that we've titled Divine Principle for or Divine Principle a Key to Survival in this End Time. Divine Principle a Key to Survival in this End Time. Now, we cannot go back to the things that we have taught already. So for you to be able to catch up with us, to understand deeply, for you, those of you who are coming here for the first time, I will encourage that there's a podcast, pod, uh, podcast uh, on the net so you can go there and then listen to it. Then you can follow because I don't want to take uh, any more time to go back. So we'll continue from where we left off last week. We have been looking at certain principles and we said that Jesus told Peter that upon the rock, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, the rock that Jesus was talking about was the will of God, the revelation of God. God's revelation is his will. And so we are talking about the foundation on which we can build our life, our ministry, our callings. We can build our marriage and any divine project that and mandate the Lord are putting on us without being afraid of the elements. Because every structure will be tested by the element. Now, from the sermon that Jesus gave about uh, in the book of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus was talking about two kinds of buildings. He said one was built on the rock and then he said the rains came. Then he mentioned the floods came. He mentioned floods, not one flood, floods. Then he also said the winds came and beat upon that building, but because it was built on the rock, uh, the building survived the test of time and it did not fall. Then he talked about another structure that was built on, a, on sand. On a sand, doesn't have solid foundation. And he also said that the same element that tested the first structure, tested the second structure. But because it was built on the sand, the, when the rain came, and the floods came, and then the winds came, the Bible said, the structure fell, and great was the fall. So, in conclusion, Jesus was trying to say that the foundation on which we build our life is very crucial because every structure will be tested. Your life will be tested. Time will come that difficult times will test you. So, everything that you are looking for now, you must make sure it is done in the will of God. Now, before Jesus gave these two comparisons of, uh, of these two structures, he was talking about not all those who call me Lord, Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
But then those who does the will of my father. So the will of his father to him is like building on a rock. People who obey the will of the father, who sought to do God's will, are building on the rock. Those who ignore the will of the father and build at random, at will, build upon human philosophy, popular uh, opinion, on popular opinions, whether they are alive, they are married, their business, or whatever, ignoring the will of God, they are risking they are, they are risking their structure collapsing when the rains comes, when the flood scare comes, and also when the winds confront their structure. So if you want to stand the test of time, if you want to survive in this end time, we are going to see a lot of natural disasters. We are going to see a lot of difficulties. The Bible says in the last days, perilous times shall come. Difficult times. Praise the name of the Lord. But those who build their their life on the principle of the word, they will survive. Because the Bible says, whatsoever is born of God, overcome this world. If your life is born of God, you are not afraid of the storms. If your ministry is born of God, you are not afraid of the storms or the floods. If your, your marriage or whatever project you are embarking on is built of God. Now, when I say it's built of God, what I, I mean is that, is, the, is it the Lord who asks you to do it? Did you sort of seek permission from God before you embark on that project? If it is God who gave you the go-ahead, no matter the storms, no matter the floods, no matter the rain, it will stand. Because you are building, you built on the rock. The will of God is a rock. And those who are building according to God's will are building on the rock. Praise the name of the Lord. So in Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23, which has been our main theme, we were told that let not, the, uh, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Please give me the scriptures quickly. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. And then he talk about, he said, hey, Jeremiah, not Sam. Praise God. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. The Bible says, thou seest the Lord. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. And these are the things that people glory in. Those who have double degrees, okay, they've done their doctorate. Some have done, uh, uh, you know, uh, some are professors. These are the people that pride themselves in their wisdom. But the Bible says, no, God does not fancy this. Human wisdom to God has no value. Has no value. It has no much value. Let me put it that way. Has no much value. Because in this last day, they will collapse. They will fail. If you are glorying because of your double degree or whatever, it will fail. It will not stand the test of time. Only book knowledge ah, will not help you. Then he said, let not what? Uh, neither the mighty man glory in his might. Mighty men, great people. Don't boast in your might. I'm a mighty man. I'm a great person. He said that, that one doesn't have enough value. Because they also fail. Mighty men will fail. A time will come. Look at this coronavirus. Coronavirus that came. The, all the mighty men, where were they? Mighty men went to hiding. Only one small virus. A lot of mighty men died. So, it's not worth boasting in your might. 
Bible said, don't do that. He said, no, don't glory in your might. Then he said, let not the rich man glory in his riches. And these are the things that people glory in. God said, no, in these last days, riches will not save you. But then he said something. He said, but let him that boast, boast in this, verse 24, let him, but let him that boast, but let him that glory, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. He understandeth and knoweth me. The one that boasts, if you, are, you have a boast, something to boast about, you must be able to say, I know whom I believe. You should come to that place because the Bible said, they that know their God, they will be strong and do exploits. So in these last days, if there is an investment that you need to make, make that investment in getting to know God. Know him well. Read the Bibles, buy books, listen to the good messages, seek God in fasting and prayer, get to know him. It is good when somebody tells you about God. Your pastor has been telling you about God. But one day Jesus was walking with the disciples. He said, whom do men say, I the son of man, I am. And they brought a lot of opinions that people have about him. Then Jesus said, you two, who do you think I am? Who do you say I am? Because God is interested in what you know about him. Your relationship, your personal relationship about him, not what somebody is saying about him. So spend time to invest into getting to know God. Build intimacy. Get to know him well. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, I, I was, then I begin to teach you certain principles that will help you in these last days. And we said the first principle that will help you in trying to, in order to survive in the coming storms and the coming floods and the coming rain, is that number one, principle number one, repentance. You cannot continue to live your life in error and then become an overcomer. You must repent. If there is a, a, an error, if there's a way you were living that is not according to the will of God, you must repent. Repentance is a major key for restoration. You want to be restored? You see, those that go to heaven are not people who have never seen before. If God is looking for people I've never seen before, he will never find one. Not even one. Including the pastors and apostles. Everybody has seen before. Those who go to heaven are not people I've never seen before. They have people who have seen before, but they have repented. Repentance is a change of mind. It's a change. The word repent is 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 is. A 180 degrees turning. An opposite direction. You are towing a certain path that is in error against the will of God. And then you heard God. You were convicted by the Holy Ghost because before repentance, genuine true repentance can happen, there must be conviction. And conviction is the prompting of the Holy Spirit that works out, that brings out godly sorrow in a man. Now we call it contrite or contrite. Amen. Now in the, in the book of first, uh, uh, sorry, Isaiah chapter 57, I want us to look at what God says about this particular 
virtue. 57 verse 15. Isaiah 57 verse 15. Now look at what the Bible says. It said, I, it said, for thou seest the high and lofty one that inhabit eternity. So he's talking about God himself. This is what God is saying. He is the high and lofty one and he inhabits eternity. He said, whose name is holy. Then he said, I dwell in the high and holy place, but then I dwell with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit. A contrite. Now, what is a contrite spirit? A broken spirit. True repentance is preceded by brokenness. A brokenness that is induced by conviction. You come to a place where you, you are so sorry. You are so sorry. You say, ah, I did this. Oh God, I did this. Please forgive me. You were not caught. Oh. It just, you were just convicted. Maybe you read a scripture or you came to church. A message was preached. Oh, the Holy Ghost stirred up a scripture in you. And then you fell under conviction. And then godly sorrow was activated. And you became so sad. Your heart is so broken. You are so broken. So God, what have I done? And then you come to God in godly sorrow, sometime in tears, and asking for forgiveness. That's what we call true repentance. The repentance that we are talking about, that is not what, uh, after you were caught, eh, there is that crying. So I'm sorry, I will never do it again. How about if you were not caught? Will you continue to do it? That's remorse. Repentance is more, it's a change. Change of heart and attitude. Change of character. Amen. Amen. So, the evidence of the new birth is a changed life. If you, you claim you are born again, let me see it by the way you are living. If you say you are born again, let me see the way you are living now. Because you cannot be living the same way you used to live and claim to be born again. The new birth, the evidence that you are born again is that your life has changed. And your life will not change until you repent. Now, one of the dangerous things about repentance, last week I was trying to give you a scripture that must, uh, 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 you know, we skipped. But I want us to look at that scripture again. Luke chapter uh, 13, verse 3 and verse 5. Luke chapter 13, verse 3 and verse 5. The reason why repentance is very crucial. Jesus said, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You see now? Except you repent. So repentance is the only virtue that brings an end to judgment. Is the only virtue that brings an end to judgment. If you are heading towards judgment and you repent, you have brought an end to it. The only way God was, God's hands will be stayed from judging a man is when a man repents. I hope you know the story about the people of Nineveh. So wicked people that God sent his prophet Jonah to go and bring words of judgment to them. But then when Jonah, after his ordeal, okay, in the bellies of the whale, Finally, he landed in uh, uh, Nineveh 
and he began to pronounce judgment and saying judgment is going to be destroyed in three days and the people took him serious and the bible said from the king to an animal to animals they all fasted and they wore sackcloth and the prophet was not happy that the people repented because he wanted them to suffer what he suffered you know it, it was because of him that he visited the belly of the whale he was telling God that these people are stubborn people. They only repent. God said, go and preach. So, he just came in and said, you are going to be judged. Like some prophets today. Like some men of God today. Okay? The gospel is good news. Amen. It's not judgmental. It's good news. Praise the name of the Lord. And the people of Nineveh repented. And when he repented, God forgave them. He didn't judge them. And uh, Jonah became angry. He became angry with God. He said, I told you, I told you, I know who you are. You are not that by all means you will forgive them. And God, God forgave them. Repentance brings an end to judgment. Now, those who wait till they are judged, they are not wise. Everybody, once upon a time, will miss it in a way. The Bible says that is born of God. That's not sin. What it means is that you don't enjoy sinning. If you are born of God, your nature, you have a new nature that doesn't fancy sinning. Sin. And so if you say you are born again and you continue to sin, then there's a question mark. You enjoy sin. Oh, somebody who is truly born again, he can't sleep. He can't even close his eyes. I don't know whether it has happened to you before. Cry for two, two weeks. You are still crying. God forgive me. How many have experienced that before? If you have experienced that before. Uh, those who have not experienced that, I'm praying that you experience it. You know what it is. But if you, you are living in sin and you are happy, you are not born again. You are not born again. You are not under conviction, you are not born again. So repentance brings an end to judgment and that is the reason why it is a major key. And it resets you up as if nothing has happened. God forgives you totally according to 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. If you claim we have not sinned, then we, 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 well, the truth is not in us. Eh? We are liars. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Those, the word cleanse means there will not be trace. So human beings will say, oh, this one is a bad man. But when God looks at you, say, no, I don't see anything. So, but yesterday he did that. But God said, well, I cannot remember. Because there's no trace. When the blood of Jesus cleanses you because you repented, there is no trace again. There's something we call blood. Blood is like uh, you are writing with a, a, a chalk. Okay? How, how many of you have, have, have written with a chalk before? On a chalkboard? Okay. And then, after writing on the chalkboard, you use a duster to clean it. Now, what happens? Particles drop on the ground. Am I right? Now, when particle drops on the ground, what happens to the board? It becomes clean. Am I right? No, no more letters. Nothing is on the board. The particles are on the ground. Am I right? Can you rearrange the particles? 
That's what happens when your sins are forgiven. When the Bible says he has blocked your sins, it means that it cannot be arranged. The devil cannot rearrange it anymore. It is, it's gone. The particles are on the ground. The blood of Jesus washes it. That's what the Bible means when he said, uh, uh, God will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so those who are not taking advantage to repent in this last day, and repentance is necessary under grace. Repentance is necessary under grace. A time will come that nobody can repent. It is only under grace that repentance is operational. After grace, judgment. In the midst of judgment, you can't repent. So, we take advantage of grace period, grace dispensation, and repent. Must repent from our sins. Amen. That is last week. This, um, this, this thing I'm teaching you was last week. I just added one or two to it. So, the Bible says that in the book of uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 3 and 5, Luke 13, 3 and 5, he said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You see now, except, except means repentance can put an end to your judgment. Repentance can put an end to your judgment. If you don't repent, then you face judgment. You will perish. But if you repent, you won't perish. Now look at verse 5. Verse 5 also says the same thing. Jesus said it two times. He said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So there are people today who are living in sin and they don't want to change. They don't want to repent. You perish. You're on your way to perish. If you don't change, you perish. The word accept means that is the only means by which judgment can be stayed. The only means is repentance. So the first key, the first principle to survive the end time is repentance. No matter what you have done, the Bible says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That is beautiful. Amen. Now, today, I'll be looking at the second principle. No, no I think we look at the second principle that was Sacrificial giving. Am I right? Sacrificial giving. We talk about sacrificial giving. Okay. So the third principle. Tighten. Tighten. If you want to survive the coming storms, I, I notice that Satan has employed so many people to fight against Titan, including pastors. And nowadays, pastors are the very people who are now rising up against the subject of Titan. And they are teaching a whole lot of things against Titan. Trying to destroy the faith of the, of the saints from not Titan. But I want to speak to you. Titan, the principles of Titan is not past. Titan is more than a whole Old Testament um, uh, 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 whatever. It's, a, it's, a, it's more than an Old Testament rule. And I'll, I'll point that to you. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, so let's turn our Bibles to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 and 12. So, Titan is not a principle of the law. 
It's not a product of the law. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 and 12. It said, Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. You see, the reason why we must bring the tithe, God wants his house to be what? Full of what? Food. The meat means food. Why? Because the needy, when they, don't, they go around, they don't find food. They come to the house of God. The poor, they go around looking for help. They can't find it. The last place they come is the house of God. And when they come to the house of God and there's no food, God gets angry because those who must bring food to his house in the form of tithe are not bringing it. So he said, bring in all the tithe so that there will be meat in my house. And then he said, prove me now. Here we says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So there are blessings attached to Titan. God said, bring it now. Bring all into the storehouse. Now, when we talk of a storehouse, a storehouse is a place where you keep your supply. Like the oil, the rice, the maize, the yam. You know, how many of you know what a storehouse house is? If you have a self-contained, you know a storehouse. There's a small room where you put your rice, bag of rice, and that where you go for all those things. Am I right? That's the storehouse. The storehouse is a place where you go for supply. Now, the question that you must ask yourself, where must I pay my tithe? Where do you get your supply from? When you are sick, where do you go? When you are in trouble, where do you run to? Okay, if you want the word of God, where do you go to hear it? So your local church is your storehouse. That's where you send your tithe. You don't give your tithe to men of God. You bring it to the storehouse. Except the Lord give you instructions to do otherwise. The tithe must come to the storehouse. Now, listen carefully. I, I, I want to teach you deeper things about tithing today. Things that you may not even hear before. So, it says, so that, it, then he said, prove me now. You see, after you've paid your tithe, prove me now. Now, when it comes to the subject of tithing, I tell people, if you don't tithe, your life will be tight. Amen. And as for that one, you don't need anybody <laughs> to contend with you about. You try it and see. Those who don't tight are very tight. Everything will be tight around you. Your finances will be tight. Your business will be tight. Your life itself will be tight. When people look at you, they will know you are tight. Because you don't pay your tithe. Tithe is one tenth of your income. But I will tell you the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament tithe. A little bit have changed. And I will tell you what it means. So here, if I will not, so God said, prove me now here with, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Now look at the word pour, not shower. There is an pouring of blessing and a showering of blessing. You know the difference. When, when the outpour, the pouring of rain is what causes the flood. Shower don't cause flood. 
So if you want a flat prosperity, a, a blessing that will flood you, it comes with tithing. Not scanty blessings. There are people who are scanty blessings. It's our. When God opened the windows, he will pour. Everybody say pour. So not showering. Those who don't pay tight, they cannot understand the, I mean, there's a dimension of blessing that those who don't pay tight will not access. If you don't pay tight, mm, you will labor. I've told you already that there's a difference between favor and labor. Favor, favor, and labor. Favor means prosperity without sweat. Labor is hard work without prosperity. And tight opens the windows of heaven for you to experience abundant outpouring, outpouring of blessings. I'll, I'll pour you out a blessing, pouring of blessing. So say Paul. Everybody say Paul. Say outpouring of blessing. It's different from showering of blessings. So, that, so when you in a church, there's a difference between you see two kinds of people in the church: somebody who is very tight, and somebody who has financial liberty. One is worrying in on the outpouring of blessing; the other one, eh, dry season. All his seasons are dry. He's walking under closed heavens. Don't let anybody deceive you that Titan is not of God. I'll prove it to you to know that Titan is of the Lord. Jesus never condemned Titan. And I'll tell you the principles on which Titan operates. Amen. So, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So, there will be blessing to the point that you have no room. Those people, you go to their homes, you see about five, six cars. And they don't have a place to park the rest, the seventh one. No room. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's one person who has been praying for 10 years. He wants one car. He wants one, uh, you know, there's a small car we call it Manchis Box. He's looking for that one. But somebody has a six, seven one, and the seventh one has no place in the house. No room. And it's only Titan that opened such windows that create that opportunity. So if you don't pay tight, huh. <laughs> I used to have a leader in the church. And every time he would come to me, he said, Daddy, things are very hard for me. Things are very hard for me. Please, can you give me something? Things are very hard for me. So, anytime he, because I, I, I love him so much, so anytime he comes like this, one day he came, then the Holy Ghost said, Ask him whether he pays his tithes. So I asked him, I said, ah, Do you pay your tithes? <laughs> Pastor, <laughs> I'll pay. I'll, I said, ah, you don't pay your tithes? So I sat him down, I taught him, I said, Pay your tithes. Then he started paying his tithes. Within some few months, boom, breakthrough. Breakthrough. He became an employer. Major breakthrough. 
Those of you who were in this church for some time, there was one guy in this church. I won't mention his name. But those, in, those, those who know the story will understand. Somebody brought him to my house. He was attending Assemblies of God. And uh, he was not a member of the church. He was attending Assemblies of God. But his brother, his senior brother, was a member of the church. I was in the house when they brought him to the house. And police were looking for him. He was hiding. He owns a lot of people. And he, was, he said, Pastor, my life is a mess. Pastor, pray for me. Help me. I said, what's your problem? He said, Pastor, I own so many people. Police is looking for me. I said, where do you go to church? He said, I go to Assemblies of God. But Pastor, I am in trouble. I look at him. I had compassion. So I had wanted to pray for him. The Holy Ghost said, no. Don't pray for him. Ask him whether he pays tight. So I said, brother, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. I said, do you pay your tight? <laughs> Pastor, I must tell the truth. Long time. I paid some long time. Then I said, that is the reason why you are going through all this. Because when you don't pay tight, you are under a curse. That's what verse 7 says in uh, uh, um, our scripture. Uh, Malachi chapter 3. Eh? Is it, I think verse, verse 9. Go to verse 9. Let's see. Verse 9. Verse 9. He are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. You don't pay your tithes. If you are driving your car. The car will break down. And so many things go wrong. Because of the devourer. So I told him, I'll pray for you, but promise the Lord that you'll pay your tithe. He said, Pastor, I'll pay my tithe. I'll pay my tithe. When the Lord blessed me, I'll pay my tithe. So I prayed for him, and I released him to go. He went. Within two weeks, he called me. He said, Pastor, I've paid my tithe. I've paid all my tithe. I've calculated him. I've gone to pay my church. I said, God bless you. Within one month, he came with a new car. He said, Pastor, this is my new car. Dedicate it for me. A private car. I prayed. Oh, I dedicated the car. Within three months, he came with a Benz bus. Within one year, I have three Benz bus. He became a transporter. Some of you know the story I'm talking about. Unfortunately, when people become rich, they think this church is too colo for them. They wanted to identify with a rich church. So he left. Well, I don't know what has happened. I don't want to go there. But what I'm trying to teach you is that it works. Amen. Amen. So don't let somebody talk you out of it. But I'm going to tell you the difference between the Old Testament tithe and the New Testament tithe. Now, the principles of tithing started long before the law was established. So when the law was abolished, tithing was not part of it. Because tithing was not established under the law. Now what the law did was that the law regulated it. Am I speaking to somebody? Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. There was legislations that regulated how it should be handled. But the law did not cancel it. And I'll prove, it to, I'll prove to you from the scriptures. Now, let's go to Hebrews 
chapter 7. Verse, Hebrews chapter 7. Can we start from verse 1? It's a lengthy scripture, but we are learning something important about Titan. Where did Titan started from? The first time we heard about Titan was in Genesis. Remember, the law didn't start from Genesis. The law was introduced by Moses. Whereas grace was introduced by Christ. But then, Moses was not in, in Genesis. Huh? Did you read about Moses in Genesis? So that is when, when so the law started, now look at it, for this, no, from, 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 for this Mekisedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, Mekisedek. He blessed Abraham. Okay, look at it. Now, Abraham's story is in Genesis. Am I right? Now, look at what I was saying. To whom also Abraham gave a tithe part of all. A tithe. So, the first person who gave tithe was Abraham. Abraham was not under the law. I hope you understand that. Okay, now, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So, you look at the interpretation, the description of this particular Mechizedek, it's fitting the, the interpretation and the description of Jesus. So, in other words, Jesus received the tithe. No, how many of you know that Jesus manifests himself in the Old Testament? Do you know? Maybe you don't know. Jesus manifests. Now, let's go back to John, uh, John chapter 8. I'll show you that Jesus came to the Old Testament came to the Old Testament before he came. He manifests himself in the Old Testament. Now, he himself, look at what he said. John chapter 8, verse 56 and 57. John 8, 56. He said, your, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He said, and he saw it and was glad. Now, where did Abraham saw Jesus? When Jesus was born, was Abraham around? So, the description of Melchizedek who received the tithe from Abraham was Jesus. Now, look at this. Look at the continuum. Verse 57. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? They were shocked. When Jesus said, Abraham saw me, I had an interaction with Abraham. So, this Melchizedek was, that, was, that, was Jesus, Joshua, who manifests himself, or Yeshua, who manifests himself in the Old Testament to collect tithes. Now, in the Old Testament, Levi and Aaron were the one mandated to collect the tithes. They are descendants. So we have the Levitical priesthood and we have the Aaronic priesthood. Jesus did not come from any of this priesthood. He came from another order after the order of Melchizedek. So, when the priesthood of Levi ended with the passing of the law and the priesthood of Aaron ended with the passing of the law, the priesthood of Melchizedek did not end. And if this priest did not end, priesthood did not end, he's still collecting tithe because he's still our high priest who, so when you pay tithe, you pay to Jesus. 
You don't pay to levy. You don't pay to error. They are period ended with the law. But Jesus was not under the law. Now, I'll explain more to you. You'll get to understand deeper. Now, let's go back to our scripture in um, uh, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 to 17. So, verse 3 said, Now, without father, he was describing Melchizedek, so you know he's Christ. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days or end of days. Which human being ever lived who does not have beginning of days and end of days? Is he not talking about a spiritual thing? They look at it, he said, but made like unto what? The son of God. Then he said, abided a priest continually. You see now, his priesthood does not end. So if his priesthood did not end, he's still collecting tithes. The ones whose priesthood ended, they stopped collecting tithes with the passage of the law when grace was introduced. But this Jesus who collected tithes from Abraham in the Old Testament, his priesthood continued. Go back. Go back to verse 3. Go back to verse 3. He what? Abided a priest where? Continually. So somebody tells you, Titan has passed. You ask him from which order? Is the Le Levitical order that passed? The Aaronic order that passed? But Melchizedek order has not passed. Because that priesthood continues. That priesthood continue. So you tell so the people, I don't pay my tithe to Lavi. Because you, you let's continue. Even Lavi, according to the Bible, pay tithe. The one who was mandated to collect the tithe in the, in the, under the law, he even paid tithe when he was in the bosom of Abraham. So that means tithe is more superior than Lavi. Superior than Aaron. Hello. Okay, let's continue. So, now consider how great this man was. Unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes. You see now? The Levi, they have the commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. According to the law. They receive a commandment to take tithes. They didn't establish the tithes. They receive a commandment to take tithes and then also to regulate the, the operation of tithes. How it should be handled. Then the Bible said that that is of their brethren. Though they came, they come out of the loins of Abraham. So move it on. But he whose descent is not counted from them receive tithes. Whose descent is not counted from them, receive tithe of Abraham and bless him that had the promise. Move it on quickly. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here, men that die receive tithe, tithe, but there he received them of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may, I may so say, Levi also who received tithe, paid tithe in Abraham. Levi paid tithe 
So it means tithing, tithe paying is superior than levy. It's beyond levy. Because he too, he pay tithe. So somebody comes and he says, oh, but Levitical, Le, with the coming of Jesus and with the introduction of grace, the Levitical order, Levitical order that was based on tithing has passed. And because of that, it has passed with tithing. It's a lie. Because then you ask him, what about the order of Melchizedek? What about the priest? Who is Jesus? Has his order passed? The Bible says he continued. His order did not pass. And if Jesus collected tight in the Old Testament, he's still collecting tight now. So anytime you go and submit your tithe, you are not paying tight into Levitical priesthood, but you are paying tight according to the order of Melchizedek to Jesus, our high priest. Is it clear? Okay. Now let me continue. So, um, why do we pay tithe? Okay, of course, that we may be blessed. Of course, that there may be meat in God's house. But then there's another reason we pay tithe. We pay tithe so that the priesthood can be maintained. Tithing maintain the priesthood. In the second, in Nehemiah chapter thirteen, verse ten to thirteen. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 10 to 13. And then we'll look at 2 Chronicles 31, verse 10 to 12. So Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 10 to 13. It says, And I perceive that the portions of the Levites, the, the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled everyone to his field. What does that mean? The tithe is supposed to maintain the priesthood. Maintain the workers in the house of God and then maintain the temple. If people don't pay tithe, the first thing that happens is that the priests that are supposed to minister to the people, spiritual things, they were very hungry. So they fled. They fled everyone to his farm. A priest has a wife. He has children. He has school fees to pay. He has accommodation to pay. And it is the tithe that they used to pay him in the temple. Now, when the people refused to pay tithe, they fled. They left the temple. They went to their farms. They abandoned the temple. That is why God gets angry and curses people. Because if you don't pay tithe, we can't maintain the house. We pay electricity. We, 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 we pay water. We pay taxes. We pay so many things. And it is the tithe that does that job. So that the house of God is not abandoned. Apart from taking care of the poor and the needy, it is the tithe that do that. Now, Second Chronicles. Let's go to that scripture quickly. Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-one, verse ten to twelve. And Azaria, Azaria, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him and said. Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat. You see now? You see what the priest is saying? We have had enough to eat and have left plenty. For the Lord had blessed his people and that which is left is this great store. Move it on. Then Ezekiel commanded the, 
to prepare chemists in the house of the Lord and they prepared them. Then finally verse 12. And brought in the offerings and the tithes and the, and the dedicated things faithfully over which Kononia the Levite was ruler and what? Shimei his brother was the next. Look at what the tithe have done. The priest said, we are no more hungry since the people start paying tithes. <laughs> when God asked somebody to come on full time, he wanted the altar to pay him. And where does the, where does the things on the altar come from? It comes from offering and tithing. Now, look at this scripture again. First Corinthians in the, Old Test, in the New Testament. First Corinthians 9, verse 13 and, 14, 13 and 14. First Corinthians 9. He said, do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? You see now? So, and they, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Do you not know? If somebody minister on the altar, he must partake of the altar. They move it on. He said, even so had the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So the tithe is what is used. Now when the devil is trying to tell people they shouldn't pay tithe, all that he's trying to say is that the house of God should not be maintained, the minister should not be maintained, the poor should not be maintained, and this against divine instructions. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you there? If you are there, wave your hands. Let me see. Hallelujah. Amen. So, as a child of God, you must pay tithe. Now, the argument that they have, they said a lot of tithe was not spoken about. Jesus didn't talk about tithing. So, that is the, they base the argument on Jesus didn't talk about tithing. So, we shouldn't pay tithe. But look at what Jesus said. How many of you understand the English language? If you understand, wave your hands, let me see. If you understand English language, I'm not talking of grammar, I say English. Okay, okay. If you understand the English language. Okay, then give him Matthew 23, verse 23. Now, listen carefully and look carefully. Now, I will ask one of you to explain to me what you think this scripture is saying. So, look at it carefully. One of you, I will just appoint you at random. So, he said, woe unto you, scribes. Jesus is the one talking. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and kumi and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. This ought ye to have done and not to leave the order undone. If you can explain it, raise your hands. Let me see. How I wish you can have a message translation or the amplified version so that to be clearer. Tony, do you, do, do you want to try? Okay, try it. Let's see. How do you understand this? Uh, 
my, my understanding of it is he was talking about uh, the Pharisees putting much emphasis on the tithing of anise and cumin when there were other weightier matters that they were supposed to pay much attention. And what are the weightier matters? The weightier matters were mercy, mercy mm -hmm. and faith. Mm -hmm. And he said that this year ought to have done, not leaving the other undone, which means that they were supposed to put more emphasis on the weightier matter, but not neglecting the tithe. That's all. That's what is Jesus. Don't neglect the tithe. So Jesus is trying to say, I am not saying don't pay tithe. What I'm saying that there are weightier matters you, which you have neglected because you have made a God out of the tithe. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus was just rebuking their hypocrisy. He didn't say nobody should pay tithe. And the reason why he didn't talk too much about tithe is because at that time, the Pharisees and the scribe has made a God out of the tithe. So, it was common knowledge. Everybody knows about tithe. I mean, tithe is common everywhere. And Jesus said, no, no, you have made an idol of tithe. There are other, other matters that are weightier. So, Jesus didn't even waste time to talk too much about tithe. Because the people have already made, everybody teach tithe first. They made, you know, put much emphasis on tithe. Do you know why? Of course, that's where they get their, you know, what takes care of them. <laughs> everybody eats from where he works. So they put, they made a God out of the tithe. And Jesus rebuked them. Jesus said, no, there are other weightier matters. And that is judgment, mercy, and faith. Judgment, mercy, and faith. Am I speaking to somebody? Do you understand what we're talking about? So tithe is not cancelled. Tithe is not cancelled. I have heard, I've read, and I've watched people uh, on Facebook and men of God, some men of God have come and said, no, 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 Titan is not of God. Hey, my friend, my friend, my friend, my friend. If the Lord said he's going to curse people for not paying tithe. And the reason why these people are talking like that is because they thought that it was originated by the law. And now that we are under grace, the law has been done with, done away with, and we don't need to go back to the things of the law. Unfortunately for them, they don't know that tithing is beyond the law. Tithing was there before the law was instituted. And the high priest that takes the tithe is not Lavi. And it's not Aaron. Or no, not that they are descendants. This high priest is, is not according to that order. It's according to the order of Melchizedek. Whose priesthood continues. Amen. The day we stop paying tithing is when we hear Jesus is dead. For the second time, he died in heaven and he was buried. Then we don't need to pay tithe again. But if our high priest remains, he collects our tithes. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, you can put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. I want to end here and ask some, uh, give you opportunity to ask certain questions if you have a question to ask. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. What's the time? Is it nine something? Is it working properly? 8.20. 9.20. Okay. So let's take about one or two questions. 
If somebody have a question, you can raise your hand. Is there a question? Ordinary giver, a sacrificial giver. Give freely. Give according to the leading of the Spirit. Give. Give to support God's work. Amen. Because Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. That's what Jesus said. Press down, shaking together, running over. God will cause men to give to you. Those who doesn't give, they will experience drought. When people are suffering, they will suffer too. But those who give, when people are saying that things are hard, they will be harvesting what they have given. Amen. Okay, if there's no question, please kindly be on your feet right now. Put your hands together again for the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Thank you, Lord. 